What's happening team? Welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast where I'm going to be sharing with you my tips, tricks and stories to help you lead the healthiest life possible as a Type 1 diabetic. I'm your host, Type 1 Tom. Just a quick disclaimer, any advice that I give will not overpower your medical professional, so please consult with them first if you're thinking of making any changes. Hello everybody, welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast with your new host, the second best diabetic podcast in the world, the Type 1 Diabetic Podcast, with your new host, Owen Insulon. <laughs> And I have a guest on, Tom. Tom, what's the crack? <laughs> yes, he did it. You did it. But I'm only joking. It's the, it's, the, it's, it's the number one podcast. It's the number yes, one podcast. I was going to say, you just, so we was having a chat being on before this, and I was like, mate, right, I wanted to do something. But we thought he was like, oh, you put me on the fucking spot. I was like, no, just do the intro. So I told him what to say. Welcome to the Time <laughs> podcast. The number one podcast if you're a type of diabetic. And you nailed it, mate. I love that. You nailed it. I'm taking your job. Yes. Have it. You'll be running two podcasts, mate. Yeah, stop. Running two. But anyway, well, pleasure yes. to be on again, Tom. Yes, mate. Thank you to be on. I love it when me and you catch up. We speak so much around like these podcasts and that. Uh, several voice notes. Man, if someone could see our WhatsApps, it'd just be voice note, voice note, voice note, voice note. <laughs> All starting with my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. Well, it's good to stay in touch because it's... Uh, I was actually only having this conversation briefly with a client and she was saying it must be good to speak with Tom a lot because you can kind of get caught up with loads of other people's blood sugars. Sometimes mm. you kind of forget about your own. Not, yeah. not, not that you forget about it, but like because we're obviously working with diabetics and we care about other people's blood sugars too, sometimes it's like, hmm, mine might take a back seat, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, no, I agree with that. And I think you'll probably, excuse me, I'm doing a you now, I'm clearing my throat. This is your trick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I did an episode for my podcast before this and my voice is just like... <clears throat> So I'm trying, to, I'm trying to clear it the whole time. You're all podcasted out. How are you going to manage when you take over mine, man? And you're running too, then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I was having, having a chat with, with clients, and we know when we take clients on, man, it's intense, right, our programs, do you know what I mean? And, and it gets them really, really thinking about, well, having awareness is the first thing, isn't it, about the blood sugars, what they're eating, their exercise, and just generally teaching them knowledge that's going to last forever. But at the start, it's like, it's intense, right, isn't it? um like like at the start and it will take up a lot of mental capacity and i've had clients say that to me and then i'm like yeah i totally understand that but we're doing it now so it doesn't take up that much mental energy in the future it will always take up mental energy controlling our levels and then i said i say to him as well to my clients how do you think i feel even though it's not about me i'm like how do you think i feel so i'm like you said then i'm thinking about my clients blood glucose my own blood glucose, even though some of that's become atomic, but I still have to think about it, as I'm sure you do. What mm. posts I can put out to help other type ones on Instagram, podcast episodes, how I can increase my game around type one diabetes, what books I can read, how I can, like pretty much, excuse me, fucking everything. A lot that goes through my head is around type one diabetes. And I'm sure you're the same, right? Yeah, 100%. And you hit the nail on the head there about like, you obviously have, people that you work with, blood sugar to look after, you know, posts for social to get whatever the awareness and stuff out, podcast episodes. 
it's like everything in my life nearly is about diabetes mm. and I, like I, I don't know that it is a good thing because I love what I do but at the same time sometimes I'm like wow I actually only do diabetes stuff so that's why actually and much like we were chatting about briefly before we press record that's why things like a run for me with no mm. music is just like you can kind of just fully disconnect which is always really nice yeah yeah i love that like that that was some of that i wanted to get onto um on that as well like we were speaking obviously like we're we're both in line with like hey fucking get off your house and move because it's going to help blood glucose sorry to interrupt you tom my, no you're all right my internet's gone I you didn't do. Hear you paused for a little minute then. I thought you was doing the fucking standstill. Yeah, so um, no, my, I just said my internet connection's weak. But Does it come back? back? We're rolling. Sweet. Yeah, so like <laughs> we know as tat ones, me and you share the same opinion. Fucking out of your ass exercise move, it's going to work wonders on your blood glucose because we've done so many episodes where we're like, this is the basics, exercise, eat well, yada, yada. But like what? We were saying then, it's not just exercising for your blood glucose, it's also mental a mental health release as well. And I think you obviously have a strong opinion on this as well. And I always say this and try and dial it into my clients, like the mindset on the mental side of things is the type one, is like the base foundation. Fuck basal rates off for a minute, fuck insulin to carb ratios off, fuck like even some form of exercise or eating well the mindset of it and your outlook on it is key before you start implementing any sort of actionable stuff, would you say? Yeah, 100%. Um, and actually, I was only touching on that earlier today. And I was having another conversation, but it's like, because diabetes is that constant, we don't get a break, as we all know. It's 24 hours a day. It's while you sleep, while you're on holidays, while you're on a date, whatever it is, it's it's always there. A day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, oh, catfish. So <laughs> <laughs> that's for a different episode. So <laughs> it's like because of that, there's there's obviously a, a massive influence physically in your lifestyle and and your routine and your your just day to day. Obviously, checking blood sugars, taking insulin, watching the food you eat, this, that, and the other. But none of that happens if you're not in the right mindset of it. Mm. And if you're listening now and you have the mindset of, you know, I hate my diabetes and you're in, den you're in denial or you're neglecting it. or It's, first of all, a normal thought process to have because everybody mm. kind of has periods of time where they, they go through that sort of thing. But if you have that mindset of this is terrible, this is something I can't manage, this is something that you may not even fully accept yet, then you're never going to do all the physical things that need to be done. So like you said earlier on about awareness, that's the number one word that you need to always kind of keep in mind with diabetes is if you're aware of everything around it and you're aware of the fact that my mindset is massively massively influential in regard to keeping on top of the physical side of things 
then you're always going to be at an advantage if you're aware of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely love it. Awareness is the key thing. And I'm sure you've had this as well. I've had clients come into my program and they might have only been on a couple of days and then the timing target, let's throw some numbers out, might improve from 40% to like 70 or 80%. Their average is coming down. They've not even properly started implementing the trainings yet. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome. What do you think's changed? And said, well, I've got more awareness. I'm just thinking about it. Boom, that's where it starts, right? Mm. Think without. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's that's the big thing that happens with people that I work with too. It's like, because we have diabetes for so long, and you may be somebody who's had it for 20 years, for five years, six years, 10 years, whatever it is. But we, we get in the habit of managing it a certain way. And we do the things we do. We eat the foods we eat. We feel the way we feel. We sleep the way we sleep. And we kind of just go, go on with it. And sometimes we continue to do things and eat certain foods and take certain amounts of insulin and do whatever it is because we're used to doing it. But then when we're made more aware of the simple things like paying more attention to the food you're eating, sleeping more, getting more steps in during the day, the simple things that you can basically introduce into your life, it's just like, boom. It's like the flick of a switch and you just have this realization of, me being more aware of these simple things just co can completely change your, your diabetes management. And that's yeah. something that I always say to clients too. It's like when it comes to managing your, your blood sugar and your diabetes, it's never anything drastic or dramatic that's required. It mm. will always, always, always come back to its simplest forms of focusing on things like moving, focusing on things like, carb counting accurately, pre-bolus, drinking water, sleeping. It, it's an accumulation of all those things combined consistently. Mm. That leads to better A1C, more time and range, more confidence with your diabetes, more energy, better mood, all these different things. So if there was, a, if there was like a, a magic pill you could take, it would be amazing. But that's not the case. It will always come down to doing the simple things consistently and doing the simple things well. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, it will be a mindset pill of awareness to allow you to do all those simple things. <laughs> if we could create one, mate, it won't be that. And like, I'm a big believer in this as well. As soon as you have awareness about something, you're aware of it, you can start to change it. And I think like, as well, like you're saying, it's these simple things that are often overlooked. Cause like that's dead simple. That I'm not sure it'll work. Well, it fucking will. And one of the the best things about a, a, having awareness and then applying something simple, like going on a walk, testing more, running tests, eating better. The best thing about when you start, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Owen, and you've probably seen this so many times. The best thing about when you have awareness and you start implementing the simple simple things is the compound effect over time. And I always like, I know me and you are big on like, you know, like investing and stuff like yada, yada. We know we invest and like, let's say it grows over time. So something would start really small, say like a, a pound or a euro or something, keep it in and it compounds and grows over time over years. And it's the same for managing your diabetes and your health. You're starting with these small things when done repeatedly, compound and add up to the big wins. Yeah, 100%. And it's like, 
I always look at it as when you're living with diabetes, there's no finish line. And no. that can sound quite morbid when you think about it, because it's like, look, the reality of it is for the moment, we're going to be living with it for the rest of our life. Mm. So because there is no finish line where it's like, okay, if I work hard for six months, then I can forget about it and everything will be fine. Everything will be fine, of course, but <laughs> like you say, it's, it's introducing those small steps, those small things that add up to the bigger results. Mm. If you were even to say, I'm going to try and increase my step count each day next week, it could even be an extra thousand steps a day, but that thousand steps is going to be 7,000 steps over the week. Mm. And that 7,000 steps can have a massively beneficial impact on your blood sugar control, your insulin sensitivity. So it's about setting yourself those kind of small, realistic, achievable goals each week, rather than thinking, how do I combat this whole thing at once? Yeah, love that. Like you say, just small, achievable things and like... We speak a lot, I know you're a big believer on this, like the 1% rule, just getting 1% better each day at something. And I always think, obviously, we've, we've all got goals. You know I mean, you've got goals, I've got goals, our clients have got goals, and we've got these big goals. And we know what we need to do each day, but I'm a big believer in have a big goal, but underachieve each day, if that makes sense. What do you mean so by that? You're going to have a big end-term goal, yeah, that you know you're focused on, but instead of trying to achieve so much each day, just underachieve, just 1%, just something small. Yeah. And then that's going to compound over time. If that makes sense. It's Give like, example so, um, yeah. So I'm, let's, I'm interested let's, in. let's say my goal is to improve my A1C. Yeah. Let's say it's at 10% at the moment. And I want to get it to, let's say, six or 6.5. It's a big goal. And we know we've got to improve time and target range and lower my average. Yeah. Now we dial that back and we're like, right. I've got awareness that I'm not really testing my blood sugar that much. I've got awareness that I'm, my step count's actually 3,000 a day, yeah? I've got awareness that I'm probably eating a takeout every night. Let's say my nutrition is poor. All these things, my sleep is shit. For me to then set, we've got a big goal. If I'm like, right, today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get 10,000 steps. I'm going to go on a run in the morning. I'm going to go gym in the afternoon. Um, I'm going to track every single meal and I'm going to aim for like 90% time in target range. Then that's in one day to go from where I was at to that, it's too fucking much. So what I would do is, yeah, I've got these big goals, but I slightly underachieve and I start very small. So if it's only at 3,000 steps in a day, I might just try and get 5,000, yeah? If I was, say, like not tracking my food at all, I might just track my breakfast, Yeah. And then if I'm like planning on like going to the gym, I might say, right, so I'm getting my walk in and I'm going to go and I'm just going to do a 30-minute workout. So I've got these big goals, but instead of going in 100%, I've just underachieved and I've just tried to get 1% better. Does that make more sense? Yeah, 100%. And you're absolutely right to do it that way because if you try and introduce too much at once, it can be easily overwhelming. And it's kind of like, oh, God, like, what's the important thing here? You know, why do I need to focus on this and this and this and this and this if it's too much at one time? But like you say, if you get used to tracking food, if you get used to increasing that step count, you will quite immediately see the benefit that it has. 
And that's the thing about like improving blood sugar overall and your, your diabetes management is it can happen so quickly. Mm. Now, not like you're going to go from, like you said, the example of an A1C of 10% down to six, that's not going to happen overnight, Mm. but a drastic improvement in your time and range can happen overnight. Yeah. And it's like, although you want the long-term impacts to benefit you over the years, it's also quite rewarding and reassuring to know that when I introduce these things today, tomorrow I can see a massive improvement. Mm. Like even if you use the, use the example of pre-bolusin, right? In my opinion, pre-bolusin is as, if not more important than a carb count itself. Because, mm. well, particularly if you have a, C, a CGM, you see that spike, you see that drop, and it can easily put you off. <clears throat> if you are somebody who has never pre and you're fighting those instant highs after food, and then you're reacting to them, and you're taking too much insulin, and going low on the other end as a result, <laughs> if you've never pre and then one day you start to pre that can just completely change your time and range. And something as simple as using a pre bowl Now, obviously, it's not as simple because you need to work out your times. But that simple shift of not pre bolusing to now pre bolusing can make such a big difference overnight. And as much as a long-term game diabetes is, as I say, the things that you introduce now today will have an impact tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. On that, like I say, it, something simple like pre-volacid can have an instant impact. And we've both we've both been tagged in messages actually on Instagram that we both shared from people saying, "Hey, I listened to an episode of your podcast. You spoke about pre-volacid. This is what I've done. These are my results." You're like, "Fucking bang! There we go." Do you know what I mean? Like instant sort of improvement in it. So i say a good topic or dial it back to what we were speaking about before because me and you obviously we've got fucking type 1 diabetes on our brain pretty much 24-7. So guys, no offence to you lot listening to this. You're like, I want to manage it, yada, yada, managing your own. How do you think me and Owen feel? Our life is, we fucking love it though. Our life <laughs> is type 1 diabetes, right? Yes. But let's say, because I know a lot of type 1s like, tend to, especially when they're going in hard and being like, right, I really want to nail this. I'm going to give it all my energy. But you still need to take a step back at times, I think. So that's the only time. Like recover, isn't it? Like training mm-hmm. at the gym, breaking muscle fibers. When you rest, you recover. And I think it's the same when you're going in hard on improvement on your blood glucose. Do you know what I mean? You're going hard. You need to take that, that chill time as well, that time to yourself, to let everything absorb in that's been going on. And I think... With us, like type ones, our lives completely. What would you say is the best way? We obviously mentioned a little bit like exercise there, then with you, but how do you get a release from diabetes? What's your sort of f- favorite thing to do? How do I personally get a release just to kind of forget about it? Yeah, yeah, to kind of chill out and not, not get overwhelmed <laughs> or burnt out. I would just say that you're well let's let's go three things top three things to do uh ooh, that's a good question <laughs> well like i like i said briefly earlier on 
I always enjoy a run with no music or anything where it's just kind of like me and my me and my thoughts. Now, even with that, I'm still thinking about my bloods because I need to be looking after them with a run. But that that's one of my favorites. Catch me off guard here, Tom. Um, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> one of my one of my all-time favorite things to do that's in no way related to diabetes is read. And yeah. that kind of has a similar effect on me to just meditating because I always read physical books rather than audio books. I've spoken to you about mm. that before. Yeah. And when I'm reading... N- nearly told like, me off for having an audio book. She was like, read a fucking book. <laughs> yeah. I, I recently had one on my last podcast episode about the books I've read and yeah, it's a game changer. So yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So that, that for me, like I'll... I'll reading is a non-negotiable for me every day and for me that's a good time to just like forget about everything because you're like in the book which is all yeah which is always nice and am i answering your question here by the way yeah you are so okay. we've, we've got you know <laughs> running without music reading which i agree with those two as well yeah um and then just yeah just going to the gym again you know, it, the, the simple things for me really is just exercising and reading. Um, and particularly this year, because I haven't had a, much of a social outlet because of the virus. So running and reading has been like just such a, an influential part of my day. So, yeah, that like, I suppose, although diabetes is such a massive part of my day personally and like, professionally in terms of working with people and the podcast i'm surprisingly like i'm ne- i'd never really get burnt out from mm. it and i think i don't get burnt out from it because i suppose in in a strange sort of way i've kind of developed a strong mindset because of my diabetes yeah. so it's ironically i don't get burnt out mentally from my diabetes because i'm more resilient from living with my diabetes if that makes sense yeah that makes total sense that's something that i think we're both big on we're like hey like to put it bluntly being a type one it can fucking crush you or it can make you a strong resilient bastard Mm. if you allow it to yeah yeah 100 percent. and i think what can be difficult and what we've both personally obviously dealt with is the whole idea of this being so life-changing. And anyone listening knows that too. Like diabetes is just, boom, you're in it straight away. There's no instruction manual. You just kind of have to, to roll with it. Mm. And that can be difficult because it is, like I said earlier, that, that constant. But there's a lot of positives that you can take from it. And, and, some people may not agree with that, but I, that's something that I always believe in because it's like whether or not you view it as a positive or a negative, it's still not going to change the fact that you have it. No. So you only focusing on the negative and only seeing the downside to diabetes is not going to be good for you. You're doing yourself a disservice only focusing on the negative because the reality of it is it's not going to change the fact that you have the condition. No. So because I know that I have this condition for the rest of my life, 
I'm doing myself a disservice if I allow that to be only a negative in my life. Mm. Definitely 100% agree with that. And I'm going to find, so I was reading a book and I recommend you read this um, and it's called As a Man Thinketh. It's only about 50 pages long. I was reading it on my Kindle and I'm going to read a quote because this basically just nails what you said um, then in terms of that. And it said, uh, good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. Yeah, that's know, but it hits it on the head, doesn't it, really? So like you were saying, hey, we've got diabetes. Regardless, it's still going to be there. So why not have, try and look for some positive in it, good thoughts, and you're going to get good results. If you want to dwell on it, which we do at times, you know what I mean? We are past the diabetes days, we like to say, but if you want to mm. consistently dwell on it and think bad about it, only bad's going to come from it. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> and that goes with everything every other aspect of your life and i think i touched well we both touched on that briefly i think in one of the, one of the other episodes that i was mm. on of like of course you should try and be positive when you can but also it's important that you're not like unrealistically positive mm. i would describe myself as a positive person like it takes work to be a positive person trust <laughs> me um, and you know that too but being a positive person doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge the negative side of things. Mm. Like I, I don't, I've, I've never been someone who's kind of like, Oh, everything's great and fantastic all the time. Cause it's not, <laughs> no. you know, but even if things aren't fantastic or great or, or even good, there's always a positive that you can take from it. Yeah. And I was speaking to, Evan Soroka, is it Soroka, who is a, a diabetic from the States who I had on my podcast relatively recently. And she had written a book about kind of yoga therapy for diabetes and stuff. And yeah, one of the quotes from that. the book. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So she's a really interesting person. Um, and she, what did she say? What was the quote from the book? It was like, every, every situation has a positive it just takes more work to find it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, it's so easy to be negative about things. Mm. But because it's like, oh, woe is me, I have type 1 diabetes. And sometimes I want to <laughs> I want to feel like that sometimes. But it's, it's kind of harder work to drag the positive out of a situation. But there's always going to be one. I think, yeah, I love that. And I totally agree with that. And I can't remember what, um, it's quite funny because we're very like big on similar sort of books and what we listen to and what we take in, I think. And it was a book that I was reading. And I think it was saying as humans, it's like we're kind of auto-programmed to see the negative in everything, aren't we? And it yeah, does 100%. take work, like you say, to see the positive. But, but there will be a positive and like, some people may look at us and think it's easy like for us to take a positive from diabetes, like being coaches. And obviously we wouldn't be here today. We always say that if it wasn't that one, but we, we are still human and we are, we do me and you both still find it easier to find negative shit in opposed to positive shit. We've just got to work harder, like you say, to, to find it. And I think there will be, I always say this, I say this quite a lot. And if you're a type one, guaranteed, you may have to search pretty hard, but there'll be something from it that's added value to your life. 
And I don't know if you find this as well, Owen, but one of the most common things I hear is I've been eating better and I've started to exercise and I've been looking after my health a little bit more. Absolutely. Mm. And that's, they're even two of the standouts from my own diagnosis. Like, mm. I was always somebody who was quite active anyway. I always enjoyed sport and stuff growing up. But there's more of an emphasis on the food you eat and the exercise that you do when you're type one, because what we eat and how we move is another form of medication, just like the insulin that we take. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's a similar, a similar thought for people to express when they're diagnosed with type one diabetes of like, wow, I'm really focusing more on the food I'm eating or I'm exercising a lot more than I ever have because they know that clears the head, but they know that the food that we're putting into our body and the exercise that we're doing have a massive, massive, massive impact on our blood sugar physically, but also our mindset, like we were talking about earlier, Mm. then our mindset kind of enables us to deal with things better. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's linked. And I want to, I've got a good idea that we're going to give some of the listeners now. So if we, we kind of think being a, a fucking, let's say a mega type one, do you know what I mean? We've got great control of our bloods, of our health, we're leading the healthiest life possible that we can, which is the goal that I want to get into the community. And obviously that you want to get into the community as well. And I think if we compartmentalize that, into a few categories. First one will be mindset, definitely before you start anything. Second one, let's take physical. So that's activity levels and things like that. And I say the third is nutrition. Yeah. Shall we give the listeners free things, free tips on these free, free sort of areas, free things to do and that we do personally? So what would you say for mindset? And I want everyone to understand that, guys, like I said before, if your mindset is fucked, and you start trying to exercise loads, run tests, eat well, you're not looking after your mindset. At some point, it'll come and you'll self-sabotage. So that's why I'm going to start with mindset, because as we both know, that that's key. So what would three things that you say to work on a decent mindset as a type one, and as a human? Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, I, from even just my own perspective, what I do to try and improve my mindset or however way we want to put it. Number one is exercise, 100%. Mm. Number two, like I touched on already, is reading. Reading and meditation, I put them in the same category. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, they just, all three of those combined, just kind of like completely wash your thoughts in a, in a positive way, mm. which is always really nice. And I think the last, like the last one is, you kind of just have to practice, yeah. you know? And what I mean by that is not even purely in relation to diabetes, but like we're always tested on how we react and respond to things, big and yeah. small. And any time, any day where I'm like upset or frustrated or pissed off or annoyed or really angry, or whatever it is, I consciously say to myself in that moment, this is an opportunity for you to practice how you're reacting and responding to this. Mm. I'll give you a good example. This is a stupid example, but it's a, an example from my own life recently. So 
I when I go for a run, there's always like I have a few routes that I do, but for one route that I do, <clears throat> there's a, a car park that I go to, right? And leading up to the car park, there is a narrow road for you to drive up, right? So there's only space really for one car it, when there's cars parked on the side. I thought he was going to say steps then. I had a vision of you like Rocky Balboa running up some steps. <laughs> like, hey, that's after, that's after I park <laughs> the music. <laughs> so basically, when I, was this, yeah, I think this was just yesterday. I was driving up this road. I'm always a really polite driver. I like to kind of give people a smile and a nod or whatever it is. Mm. And there was a car coming towards me. So I said, right, I'll pull in, let them drive this entire narrow road so they can get past and then I'll go. So when this car came up to me after me giving them the space to drive, the car, the driver just completely blanked me. There was no wave. There was no nothing. I hate that. Right? <laughs> and my, when I say my blood was boiling, <laughs> like because i just even give me a like acknowledge the fact do you know what i mean yeah. just be nice but my blood was boiling right and in that moment as much as i wanted to just like i don't know punch the window or, or go mad or scream or shout i said to myself this is an opportunity for you mm. to practice how you react to something negative mm. so instead of me as I said, kind of going mad or what, what the fuck are you doing? Not let me find it. I just like take a breather, practice how you react in a positive way to this thing. Mm. I think that was kind of a long-winded answer to your question. No, that, that was mega. <laughs> and I think life is full of these situations. So we know we've got, like we say, we you for mindset, exercise, reading, meditation. Definitely, I agree with them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I agree with them. And then, like you're saying, is um using things as an opportunity to practice stuff and i think we go through life and we've always kind of got a choice and we can take these lessons from things it might be might be a high blood glucose which would be obviously another example and you're like oh for fuck's sake i uh, no well hang on a minute like chill out get yourself out of a reactive state and just think mm-hmm. about what it's teaching you do you know what I mean? And I, yeah, hundred percent. That third point is mega, mate. I absolutely love that. I'm glad that you said reacting to a high blood sugar because mm. if there are any of my clients listening to this, they'll know that I just sound like a broken <laughs> record talking about not reacting emotionally to your blood. Yes. And that is a perfect, perfect, perfect example of you in that moment realizing that I can decide how I react and respond to this. Mm. Right. I am somebody obviously who likes to look after my blood sugar. I like when things are kept stable, as we all do. When I see a high blood sugar, it annoys me because I don't want to see a high blood sugar. But part of being diabetic is knowing that no matter how well you manage your blood sugar overall, you're still going to have highs and lows. That's just a fact. Mm. But what I always say to clients and anyone I work with and on my podcast all the time, as you do, it's like, don't react emotionally to your bloods because your blood, your bloods aren't conscious. Your bloods aren't trying to annoy you. Your bloods are reacting to what you're doing or what you're not doing. Mm. There are 42 confirmed factors that affect our blood sugar. Some we can control, some we can't control, right? When your blood sugar is high, 
instead of being like, oh, for fuck's sake, I'm a bad diabetic. This is, this is a crappy day, but yada, yada, yada. Say to yourself, what's that telling me? It's going high for a reason. Mm. And if, if you kind of view your blood sugar like a mirror of what you're doing or what you're not doing, or how your body is responding to something naturally, then it changes it. So instead of you being like, oh, Christ, my blood sugar's high, say to yourself, why is it high? Yeah. Did I not take enough insulin? Am I stressed? Am I dehydrated? Did I eat too many carbs? Did I not carb count correctly? So that the next time you know more about how can I keep my blood sugar more stable? Mm. So instead of just reacting to that and reacting to the moment and kind of taking insulin and hoping for the best, give yourself five or 15 seconds and just say, why is it high or why is it low? Because it's high or low for a reason. Yeah. It's going to be high or low for a reason, but sometimes it's going to be more obvious than others. Mm. Like if you're, let's say you're stressed or anxious, that potentially can spike your blood sugar, but it might not be as obvious as I've just eaten a chocolate bar and not taken any insulin. You know? Yeah. Your bloods will always be telling you something. So much like you touched on at the start of the podcast, Tom, being aware of that. Mm can open your eyes to the whole thing yeah my voice keeps cracking (laughs) we need awareness and i think it's so hard to have awareness when we're emotionally irate do you know what i mean i think those who i mean throw a little quote out that i've just made up now those who can't control their emotions will never have great control over their diabetes so you need to learn to control your emotions i think so we've got in mindset i totally agree with you on that we've got physical activity definitely a mindset game changer meditation and reading and looking at things like you say as practice as lessons and trying to find it and stuff like that let's go on to like i think the second thing because we know you'll see a trend everything's all interlinked here when it comes to improving our health and glucose so second thing in terms of activity what would you say three sort of tips there first of all generally just try and move more that's Mm. that's that's the pretty obvious one but in my opinion resistance training is a non-negotiable yes out of any type of exercise consistent or regular resistance training is going to have the biggest impact on your sensitivity overall if i wasn't as into training or wasn't as into weightlifting my blood sugar be would be a whole lot different yeah i agree with you not it's If you just try and get yourself into a routine of even doing like three full body, like you're doing three Mm. full body resistance workouts a week, they will have an unbelievable influence on your blood sugar. Mm. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I say movement, making sure we know we've both got a philosophy of 10 K steps every day, but if that's not possible, just try and if you've got a desk job like us, take little breaks throughout the day, get off your ass, go for a 10 to, 10 to 20 minute wander. That's the first thing, you know, movement. Um, and then like you say, resistance training, 100%. Even if it's just, you know, if you can't join a gym or that, just get a kettlebell, get a set of dumbbells, get something, full body exercise, I think. And what would you say? So we've got two there that we both personally stand by. <laughs> what would you say a third one is? A third one for activity or like physical. 
Yeah, so if we've got like physical, so we've got the mindset sort of side that we've covered, we've given three pointers on that. Now we're on the, like the activity. So we've got movement, walking, and we've got resistance training. Probably it's it's still an activity, but it's probably the opposite to training, which is sleep. Mm. And I know sleeping can be difficult if your blood sugars are all over the place <laughs> because we've both woken up with highs, we've both woken up with lows. But getting a good night's sleep is so important because mm. it's going to help regulate your hormones naturally. You're not going to, like, if you wake up in the morning after a shite night's sleep, you're a lot less inclined to look after things as much as you need to with your blood sugar. You're a lot yeah. more inclined to reach for quick, tasty, sugary foods that might not have the best impact on your bloods. and you're just going to be in a worse headspace. So that has been, I think, be as been... active as you can. Huh? Yeah. Sorry, interrupt you then. But I think there's been, <laughs> there's been so many studies published. It's, there's a lot of scientific evidence to prove that if you're sleep deprived, your choices are majorly impaired when it comes to your movement throughout the day, your food choices, your mental state. Yeah. So there's been so many studies done on that. And even if you're not, if you're not sleeping well or you're not kind of prioritizing your overnights, the lack of sleep is going to increase your insulin resistance too. Because yes. when we don't sleep properly, our body is stressed and our body re releases stress hormones like cortisol, which, as we know, is going to bump up your blood sugar and bump up your insulin resistance. So mm. if you are somebody that doesn't necessarily prioritize sleep or even kind of struggles to get to sleep at night, Try and introduce even a 15-minute sort of nighttime routine that sets you up for a good night's sleep. For example, mm. it could be not eating too close to bed to try and take the complications of blood sugar out while you're, while you're asleep. Try to get off a screen, potentially yeah. even up to an hour before you go to sleep. And I always like to read first thing before I go to bed too because it just kind of like settles your mind into sleep. Um, but yeah, it, and it, a lack of sleep is one of those factors with bloods that <clears throat> it can so easily go unnoticed. Mm. Sometimes we may not be sleeping well, or we could only be getting like four or five hours and you might not really notice it, but that could be the thing that's making your blood sugars kind of act up or more difficult mm. to manage. Yeah, I'm glad that you, you touched on that. And it is, it comes under physical category, actually, because we physically sleep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going to say, to, yeah, to anyone, I'm going to give a book recommendation for people that want to know the importance of sleeping. It's Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. And One of my clients is reading that, actually. She told me to read it, but I haven't read it yet. Dude, like, I've listened to parts of the audio book. Sorry, mate. I'm now a big avid reader, so I'll be getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll be getting it on my Kindle. Because I didn't complete it all, but I've right skimmed through some of the points and that. Like it's amazing, and it's not direct at type ones, but hey, we're still fucking human as type ones, aren't we? And it just tells you the important importance of sleep and stuff. And one of the biggest takeaways that I took from it was like that I never knew. It's like you can't catch up on sleep. Once you're deficient in sleep, it's really hard to get that back. Yeah, taking naps throughout the day will help and stuff like that. But it's not like, oh, I need a line at the weekend because I need to catch up on sleep. You can't do that. 
you can't catch really? up on it apparently. Yeah, you can't I catch up. I never would have even thought about that. No. So once you're deficient in sleep, you're looking at weeks or months. So to try and bring that level back up, it's not like you have four hours sleep. Let's say we're, we're aiming for eight hours. My maths is going to be shocking here now. Let's say we're aiming <laughs> for eight hours. I'm going to get my calculator out. Let's say we're aiming for eight hours um, across like let's say a week, which is like 56 hours of sleep, right? Let's say we only get five Monday to Friday, which is like 25. Mm. And let's say like we need to try and get, let's say another 20 to get us in that ballpark or something. So we try and have a lie-in on the Saturday and the Sunday. It won't work. It doesn't work like that. You can't really catch up on sleep in that week sort of period. It takes a while for your body to start getting back to normal, optimal functionality once you get into a uh, sleep-deprived sort of state. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. I never would have even thought about that. No. Oh, so sorry so for those more... who say, I'm having a lion at the weekend and you just catch up on sleep. You <laughs> yeah. don't fucking... Have your lion, yeah, but it doesn't fucking work like Thank that. Thank God I never... <laughs> I, I can never have a lion. <laughs> <laughs> so Go basically on. what that's saying is to emphasize the importance of just a consistently good sleeping pattern. Yeah. Yeah, needs to be consistent. Yeah, I think with, with most things, with most things for our health, the importance of it is heightened when you are diabetic. Yeah, it is definitely because if you're a quote unquote normal person without diabetes and you lack sleep, you you'll be tired and those kind of like whatever whatever else that brings. <clears throat> Whereas if you're diabetic and you are getting very minimal amounts of sleep it's going to affect your blood sugar and mm. then it affects your blood sugar that can then kind of trickle into different aspects of your life because if you're high and you're low and you're fighting your bloods, it's just that like, I suppose like you were saying earlier, it's like a, com a negative compound effect rather than a positive one. Yeah. Well, it does work both ways. Like, I don't know if you've read the compound effect book. No, I'm ready. Let me, Hey, this is like a book recommendation thing, right? <laughs> yeah. All right let me guys, you need to, need to read Start this. Let me remember. I oh, know. Remember who it's by. Um, it is Darren Hardy, the compound effect. And it is mega. Book. Yeah. It's, it's mega. I highly recommend it. And yeah, we're speaking about positive compounds, but it can also work negatively. Like you're saying that as well. And I think we've got to think guys, like you said, then lack of sleep on a non-type one diabetic heightened stress response. On a type 1 diabetic, our body's already more stressed than a non-type 1. Excuse me. It's already more stressed than a non-type 1. Don't care how well you control your bloods. Our body's still at a heightened stress state than a non-type 1. So when you start stressing it even more with sleep deprivation, you're just doing yourself a massive disservice. And I think as well, I always, I'm big on this with clients. I'm like, right, so when we do the weekly check-ins, we've got you know average hours of sleep. And I'm like, I don't care if you was to get five hours of really good quality, unbroken, consistent sleep, and opposed to getting eight hours of waking up and fucking so many times throughout the night. So it's quality over quantity with sleep as well. Mm. Yeah, like, I like that. Yeah. yeah so go on. No, I was just going to say it's important. It's, I suppose, it just kind of ties in with everything else with diabetes. It's like, it, you just need to be consistent with those little things and yeah. sleep is it can seem like a little thing but it's a big thing and often when something seems so simple we may not value it as much as a drastic change hmm. 
So something as simple as even drinking more water during the day. We might not value that as much because it's so easy to do, but that has an unbelievable effect on your bloods. Yeah, definitely. So we've got, we'll move on to the big one next in nutrition. So we've got mindset. What did we say? Physical activity for mindset, meditation and reading, and then looking at things as practice, as lessons and stuff from life. Yeah, to implement. Mm-hmm. And then we've just obviously covered physical activity, move more, resistance training, and sleep. We could do a whole fucking podcast about sleep, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. fucking love it. Last one, nutrition. This is like the big sort of elephant in the room all the time across type ones and stuff. So what would you say? Three decent tips on nutrition to help you it obviously improve your blood glucose, but also your health and your fucking life as well. Because nutrition is a big factor, isn't it, for us? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I was just about to text you saying, like, the connection's gone. I couldn't hear anything you said. Could you not? <laughs> no, the, the whole right. the video was completely frozen. I didn't hear anything right. you said. You got me now. Right, let me go over that bit again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry. You got me now. <laughs> I might yeah. keep this in for a crack. Uh, connection issues, <laughs> fuck it. Hey, 2021, fucking Wi-Fi. <laughs> not doing so good. Um, so, yeah, so I said nutrition, the big elephant in the room, because we know that there's so many different points on nutrition and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I, I always say, like, we've got all these other factors, but predominantly type 1 diabetes is a nutrition-related sort of condition. So what would you say? Three top tips on nutrition. 100%. The first thing that I just want to point out briefly is that what you said already, it's like, Although there are so many different factors that can affect our blood sugar, food is the number one thing that's going to affect your blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Just hands down. Pr- primarily, it's going to be the food that we put into our body will make the biggest difference. So three tips or three ways that I eat mm-hmm. that I find to be the most beneficial for overall blood sugar are pretty obvious, like most things. Disciplined and accurate carb count. I don't, unless I'm, say, out with friends or somewhere I can't carb count. That's the only time I won't carb count. Because if I don't carb count, then I can eyeball food, but it's never going to be exact. And I want it to be exact when it can be. So carb count. Number two, disciplined pre-bolus. 100%. Pre-bolus, like I said earlier, it's just, it's so, so important. And even more important when you have a CGM, because if you don't pre-bolus, but you're on a finger prick, ignorance is bliss because you don't see that physical spike on the screen of your phone or your monitor or whatever it is. Mm. But when you do have a CGM, even if you carb count spot on, if your insulin timing isn't right, you're still going to see a spike. So... Accurate carb count, discipline pre-bolus, and I always space out my meals. Right. So I'll always try and leave at least three hours between meals because I don't want to be adding on insulin to insulin to insulin to insulin and kind of getting lost on, okay, that amount is for that carb count, that amount is for that carb count. I like going into each meal that I have knowing that the insulin that I've taken for the previous meal has already peaked and is kind of leaving my system. 
So mm. ideally, I'll leave, hopefully, I'll try to leave about four hours between meals, but sometimes you can't do that based yeah. on time. For me, if you do the three of those things every day, well, as often as you can, changes the game. It changes your blood sugar completely. Carb count, pre-bolus, spacing out your meals. Then when Love it comes it. to actual food, I always try and eat high protein. I actually eat high everything, to be honest. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm a big believer in not restricting the way you like to eat just yes. to benefit your blood sugar. Because yes. a lot of people believe that if I cut out carbohydrate, I can manage my diabetes. Yes, if you cut out carbohydrate, it's going to be easier to manage blood sugar because primarily carbohydrate is why we need insulin. But for a lot of people, that's not realistic long-term. And for me personally, eating super low carb or cutting out carbs completely isn't realistic because I enjoy carbohydrates. I enjoy a lot of, I eat a lot of food. So for me, the importance lies with understanding insulin timing, understanding insulin to carb ratios and understanding the influence that splitting meals can have. But I suppose I didn't really give many, <laughs> many uh, examples of the food I eat. So primarily high protein, try to get a lot of fruit, a lot of veggies, focus on a lot of fiber as much as I can. Love but I, I do eat high carb. I do eat high fat. I do eat high protein. Yeah. Um, but I try and get vegetables every meal, 100%, yeah. as much fiber as possible. What about we're you? the same. Yeah, we're the same in that respect about eating quite large amounts just from our like body types, activity levels and stuff. But I got kind of the same but slightly different than you. So my three things will be, with me personally, I haven't tracked my food for months, yeah? And my guesstimation of carb counts pretty fucking bang on the majority of the time. And the, the only reason for that, though, is because I tracked for so many years. So I will say I can get away with doing it. If you're kind of starting out or you're like, nah, I'm not too sure about the carbs, the protein or the fats in a certain meal, track. So that's why I agree with you on that first point. But for me personally, I'm not tracked for ages. Sometimes I may throw something in or search for it if I'm out, if I'm not sure what it is. But day to day, I don't really bother tracking. I can estimate it pretty good. Um, go on, put it. What's good, what's good with that is because you have tracked for so long. That's the only reason. It, it, it gives you the ability to be able to carb count accurately. Now, even when I work with people, I say, look, I, for the time that we work together, I expect you to track your food. Mm. For your fitness goals, we need to know, obviously, the calories and protein primarily. But I also want us, us to be able to fully understand your insulin to carb ratios. Mm. And if you... if if somebody hasn't accurately carb counted for any extended period of time before getting in the habit, even for 12 weeks of carb counting and tracking your food gives you that key for the rest of your life about really kind of accurately eyeballing carb counts. Oh, it does. Uh, I, that's what I said. I, I, I wouldn't be here being able to guesstimate if I hadn't tracked for so many years. And I'm the same with clients on that. I'm like, look, you're coming on this program for the time that you're on my program, you're going to track your food. Why? 
because it's going to give you much more of an understanding than I could ever teach you whilst you're on the programme. Do you know what I mean? I'm sure that you've had that as well. So definitely first one would be tracking. Second one, I'd say, is getting some form of routine. So tracking, tracking, definitely. Before you even start to fucking change what you're eating, track it. (laughs) Yeah. And develop some form of routine. Similar, if possible, meal times each day. Similar. I'd say it doesn't need to be bang on. Don't be so adamant. There's times when things will change, life gets in the way. But if you can develop some sort of routine it, with your nutrition, it becomes much more predictable to kind of predict the outcomes in your blood glucose levels, I think, as well. And then three, I agree with you. Then if we're looking at what's going into your meals, priorities over protein and veggies and carbohydrates, if you wish to do so. Decent meals that you know you should be eating as a fucking adult. Come on, we're all adults. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to. Some people are like, oh, what can I eat? Yeah, yeah. You're an adult. You know what? You primarily you know what eighty percent of your nutrition should be. Eighty percent of it. Twenty percent, whatever the fuck you want. That's how I work. Eighty percent is the I hate this quote unquote healthy foods. So I say track to improve your knowledge around the diabetes side of things, but also around food as well. You're going to eat for the rest of your life. Get fucking knowledgeable on food. Second is develop some form of routine. Um, And then third, what do we say? Like, look at making sure that you're prioritizing protein, veggies, and some carbs. Eating healthfully, as much as I hate that, 80% of the time. Yeah, Yeah, and look, even even if our three top tips may be slightly different, they all boil down to the same thing. They all boil down to us trying to make our blood sugar as easy as possible to manage, but also doing that by making the food we eat more predictable, yeah. as in carb counting, spacing out your meals, like I said, or having similar meal times, like you said. Essentially, they're the same thing. They boil down to the same thing. Yeah. And, and what's important for people to realize is even using me and me and you as an example, Tom, we both have the same condition. We both want the same outcome. We both have the same goal each day, which is to manage our blood sugar as best we can. Hmm. How we do that can be completely different. Now, chances are it's going to be quite similar, but based <laughs> yeah. on our route, based on our routines. And the food we like and dislike or the stress we may feel or are just our overall daily routine can be completely different. Yeah. But we still want the same outcome for our day, which is our blood sugar to be as managed, to be managed as well as possible. So what may work for me might not work for you. What might work for you might not work for somebody else. So yeah. it's about, and going back to it being a long-term thing, it's about, finding well it's it's about discovering a way through trial and error that you can manage your blood sugar as best you can in a way that you still enjoy what you do and what you eat yeah and what i always say to people i work with and even on the podcast it's like it's about fitting your life into your diabetes and your diabetes back into your life yeah does that make sense yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's not about you trying to change your life with diabetes. And so to kind of go, let's say, branch off from what you were saying there. Um, and I think there's so many, like, 
say like, oh, there's not so many cultures, Tal on cultures, but you've got me, the information I put out. You've got yourself, Owen, the information you put out. We've got people like Tal and a few others. And then you've got websites you can go on, yada, yada, and information to help you with your diabetes. Best tip I can give you as a listener for listening to this is take what you need personally from that information and apply it for yourself. Because all the information is always going to be similar. It's like our programs, mate. Do you know what I mean? They're probably based around similar stuff, but delivered slightly different. And when we're finding information, I know myself, I'll go, right, that's cool. I already knew that. I didn't know that. I'll take that. That applies to me, and I'll use that. Then I might find another person who will follow. I'll be like, right, cool. Well, that don't really apply to me, but I'm going to take that. I've learned that's new, and I'm going to apply that. And that's how we learn. We find all this different information from maybe different people, different cultures, and we just take and apply what's applicable to our life and our conditions and our situation, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. And even if someone is listening, well, there's obviously people listening, but even somebody listening to this podcast, that's a good sign that they want to manage their blood sugar as best they can. Hmm. Like, they don't have to listen to this podcast. They don't have to listen to my podcast. They don't even have to read anything about diabetes. Mm. But the fact that you're here listening to this episode proves that you want to be in control as best you can. Mm. And like you said, what like we're kind of covering a, a wide range of different things. Some may be applicable to somebody listening. Somebody may li be listening like, that doesn't make any sense to me and my yeah. life. That's perfectly fine. I would expect that because yeah. we're all so different. But we all want the same outcome, which is a healthy and happy life with type 1 diabetes. Definitely nailed that. So is there <laughs> anything Is there anything that you'd like to add or say to the listeners before we come to a close? But I think this has been mega. We have delivered in this, as always, the dons, the dons <laughs> of type 1 diabetes. <laughs> I suppose just to reiterate that fact, what I was just kind of, touching on there it's like if you're having a really difficult time with diabetes you're not always gonna have a really difficult time mm. like we all go through those difficult times and the fact that you're here in the gym on a walk in the car on your way to work wherever you are whatever you're doing right now you're listening to a diabetic podcast so that proves that you're interested in learning about, you're interested in hearing about other people's experiences. And you're just proud. listening to something like this can have a massive benefit on your, on your life. So whoever is listening, I appreciate you giving me the time to speak in your ear today. I hope it's been helpful. <laughs> Be proud as well. Hey, if, if you're going, like we're all in this together, do you know what I mean? Tartan Diabetics, I love every single one of you. It's our community. But if you're going above and beyond to listen to podcasts like this, read books, educate yourself, hey, you're a step ahead than a lot of people, a lot of other type ones out there, unfortunately. So be proud of yourself. Give yourself a fucking pat on the back, I'd say. So, mm. oh, wait, would you like to do the outro since you did such a beautiful oh, intro? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you say in your outros? I can't remember what you say. I always say, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it. No, I always just... I'm going to ask you guys to leave me a rating and review on the podcast app. That's one of the main things that I say. And as we always love, mate, we like getting the screenshots and both of us being tagged in it and shared on our Instagram stories. Yeah, big time. My outro for, for the Type 1 Movement podcast, podcast? Podcast has got to be, if the podcast 
serves you well. If you get good value from the podcast, if you like hearing Tom talk a lot of shite each day, <laughs> leave a comment, rate it, review, and tell another diabetic. If the chances are, if the podcast helps you, it will help somebody else. So I appreciate your time. Have a good day. Love it. Thanks, mate. And thank you very much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Top crack all the time. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Until the next episode, peace.